Wow. Well, folks, it's, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you here with us today. And we've been doing this for, I don't know how many weeks, 12 weeks. I don't, I don't know. I've, I've lost track. I, I'm not even sure what, is today Sunday? Oh, that's right. We're, that's why we're here. But uh, man, it is so great to have you because usually at about this time, I'm staring at the camera. And for those of you that have tuned in, you know exactly how that's going. And, uh, and we have the TV here, but use that, which I've been told. Uh, you obviously figure we've had some technical difficulties. Folks, this has been a journey for us. I mean, starting there back in the beginning of March when we first started putting out live stream, it, it should come as no surprise to you that we've never done that before. You know that. And, um, and so as we worked our th- way through it, we learned things and gained uh, experience and knowledge and made adjustments along the way. And we were talking about it last Sunday, how that, wow, we feel like we got this thing down. <laughs> and now we have to start all over again with a whole new different approach because today you're here We have a group of people down in the family room that I think are seeing me on the camera. They're not seeing this screen. And then we still have people at home who are watching live stream like uh, you have been doing for the last number of weeks. So all of that (coughs) is brand new. We got a, a new piece of equipment that would allow us to do that. And and, and here we are, it's just the way it is. It's okay, right? Uh, there's so many different new normals, as everybody says, and uh, we're experiencing all those kinds of things, and, and we're going to continue to figure it out and, and work through it and get them to be what we can best do. And the most important thing is we, the body, right here, right? I mean, not just right here, but right all over where we are as one in Christ with those who know and love our Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you who may be visiting with us, who are here today, thank you for joining us. And our first Sunday back, for those of you online that are uh, visiting with us, thank you for joining us as well. And I'm not sure, I've been so antsy and nervous, and I'm, I'm not sure about this day, and I'm not sure if it's Christmas or Easter or New Year's or it is Father's Day, so that's pretty cool. Uh, But anyway, here we are. Great to have you. And we've been studying God's will. And so we're going to just continue on through that. And uh, I think I'm just going to move this out of the way um, because I, I wasn't, this was more for our online live stream audience and and now I can move over here. It's been weird having to stay put right behind this table for the last three months and not move. And uh, so now I can move. So I may be down amongst you. No, I better not. That would violate our social distancing. And uh, so I, I promise you, Peggy, I won't be down there. I'll st- we'll stay right here. And uh, wow, you know what else is unique here? Some of you are, are used to sitting in the same seat for the last 93 years, and you're not today. Wow. Doesn't that feel weird? Yeah, <laughs> it has to. But anyway, all right. So we've been talking, how can I know God's will for my life? And I'm just going to go right through this because I don't have my slides on the screen or anything. 
And um, we've been talking about that. And we have said, uh, one of the phrases that I've given you is, do God's will, know God's will. Do God's will, know God's will. And as we've been explaining that, we've been saying, listen, you do the will of God that you know. God has revealed himself through his will in the Bible, in his word, in the scriptures, all those words that we use for the Bible. God has revealed so much. We've talked about God's will of decree. God decreed this would be. We've talked about God's will of desire, the things that he wants us to do as believers, as those who know him. And, and we have been through that. And we've said this, you can know God's will for your life by living in obedience to the revealed will and word of God. But in our desire, as we now begin to move through that, and, and we're not going to wrap it up today, but we're going to really nail it for you, I hope. And, and simply put this way, in our desire to know and to do God's will, we cannot, we must not think of God's will as a treasure map. We must not think of it as God standing up in heaven saying, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, oh, cold, 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 no, no. It, it's not that way. You cannot find that concept. And that has been the conventional approach to the will of God for a lot of years. And, and that's just not what Scripture teaches. And, and I want us to understand what the Word of God says because we so easily get stuck on wanting God to map out His plan for our lives ahead of time, to lay out every step along the way, that there's one right path, and that's the treasure map concept, that the minute we step off, oh no, now all of a sudden what do we do? And there's that fear that happens that if we get off the path that we call God's will and miss God's will completely or have to settle for second best, what's going to happen? We're in trouble. We've ruined our life. No, that's not what Scripture teaches. That's just not to be found in the Word of God. So don't miss this, however. Give a little disclaimer because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. There is the matter of disobedience. And you and I can choose to disobey God, to disregard His will, His word. Absolutely. Um, and there are consequences to disobedience in Scripture. There are. We could, we could teach, we could preach a message every Sunday of the year about the illustrations of those who disobey God and the consequences that follow as a result. But there is also, 1 John 1, 9, there is also forgiveness. There's confession and forgiveness for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so we move forward. But let me ask you this, because this is one of those things that over the years of youth ministry that I've been involved in, and both at the middle school, high school, college level, and then even dealing with adults and talking about this whole thing, the confusion that comes and and really, it's would God really let us miss his will and plan for our lives if, if we really 
were committed above everything else, focused, consecrated, committed to doing the will of God. Would God, if that's the desire of your heart, your desire is to obey God, to know God's will, to do God's will, would God really let us miss his will for our lives? With the conventional approach to understanding the will of God, that, that, that is a fear that, that pops up. In fact, it's almost a logical conclusion to the approach that we've given to the, word, to the will of God. And I have to tell you, folks, no, that is absolutely not the case. That's not my God. And I know it's not your God either because the Bible doesn't describe our God that way. God is not looking to confuse us or to keep his will and plan for our lives hidden or make it a secret thing till, till we get on that right path and never step off. That's, that's not the way it works. So how do I really know God's will for my life? That's, again, that's the question. And you may be saying, wow, I thought you'd never ask. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk about that. So how does that work? Well, quick review. Last week we talked about um, some steps of obedience, what we would call God's will of desire. And the, the things that ought to be true of us, the things that God desires, steps of obedience that God wants to be true of our lives. And if we're going to know the will of God, that's where it all begins. And of course, it starts with you got to be saved. If you're not saved, if you don't have a personal relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ, you really don't care about God's will. Now, sometimes God's will is viewed even by God's people as, well, it's, it's a better way of life. It's less hassle and trouble. It's more convenient and all those things. That's not what God's will is all about. But you'll never know God's will for your life until you know Jesus. It starts with salvation, and it is God's will. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we looked at all of those scriptures last week. Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it is God's desire that all men be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, same thing. So understand that. If you're here today without Jesus, whether in this auditorium, down in our family room, or watching online, if you do not know Jesus, you're out of the will of God. In fact, you're in trouble. Because you will one day have to pay for your sin. And the only way your sin can be forgiven is by the blood of Jesus Christ. But then second, we looked at spirit-filled. If, if it is God's will that you be saved, that you be spirit-filled, that you be under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit of God. It is not something that happens after you're saved uh, one year or two years or a certain amount of time or when you have read through the Bible twice and then all of a sudden you get this... No, it's not that way. Listen, Scripture teaches us that the moment we get saved, the moment Jesus comes into our life and changes, transforms, forgives our sin, we get all of the Holy Spirit there is to get immediately right then and there in the moment. And we are... The Bible says at that point, that's the baptism of the Spirit when He comes to dwell within us. And so the filling of the Spirit isn't some special thing that happens afterwards. It's a day-by-day -day living under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit of God in obedience to the Bible. That's the filling. 
We talked then about, we said it is God's will that you be sanctified, that you be set apart as holy and pure unto God for his use. We're clean and pure before him. And that's the text there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We said, number four, that it is God's will that we be submissive, that God has placed all human authority in our lives according to his will and plan. It is God's will that we submit to all human God-given authority in our lives. God's in charge of that, folks. I know we sometimes don't like to hear that because we may not like our teacher or principal or we may not like our boss or we may not like our parents or we say that at times, right? Uh, You ever have your kids say, I don't like you. Well, of course we have. But God-given authority, it's important, and it is God's will that we respond. Um, That we're suffering. It is God's will that we suffer. All who will live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. We looked at a text in 1 Peter 4 and saw that. So we, we talked about this whole business of obedience to those Those steps. Now that's not all there is and and we couldn't begin to pull out every single step related to obedience to God and his word. I mean, the Bible's full of those things that he wants us to do. Not to gain salvation, not to, to gain a better standing, but to be obedient simply. So let me share a couple more. It is God's will that you are seeking. Matthew chapter 6, and if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, and I'm not going to dive deeply into this text, but you'll know the text in Matthew 6 where we're told in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry. That's a command. It's not an option. It's not one of those things, say, well, I'm getting better at it. No, no, no. It is God's will that we don't worry. That's what he says. Do not worry. What will you eat or drink or about your body? What you will wear is not your life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. Do they not, uh, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And he goes on and, and he says, we are not to worry. Why? Because our heavenly father knows about all of our needs. And actually worry is a lack of trust in God. Did you ever think about it that way? Worry, uh, listen, these last 90 days, I guarantee we've all felt a little bit of uneasiness, uncomfortableness about worrying what is going to happen. And with all that's going on, man, I just about stopped watching TV. My word, it's like, whoa. Do not worry because worry is a lack of trust in God. God is in control. And when we worry, we're basically saying, I, I, I really don't think I believe that. Now, we would never admit that. Well, of course I believe God's in control. Well, then why are we worrying? God's in charge. And as we talk about that, you see, this whole text, it goes right back to verses 19 and 20 and talks about all of this. And in verse 19, it says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But, verse 20, Matthew 6, Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Why? 
Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The things that matter most to you in this life is what's on your heart. It comes out of your mouth. It is there. And God says that needs to be in heaven. Our treasures need to be in heaven. We work for those things that don't matter on this earth. We work for those things that are eternal and lasting and that please and honor our God. And then Jesus goes on down here in the Sermon on the Mount and he gets to verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. You see, another reason we worry is because we're not living obediently. Jesus said, you seek first the kingdom of God and you seek first his righteousness. It's not about gaining salvation. That's not seeking his righteousness. No, it's, it's living out that righteousness. When we get saved, we are declared to be right before God. Our sin is forgiven. Our standing is now one of a child of God. And he says, you make that the center of your life, the focus of your attention. That's what he's talking about. It is God's will that before anything else that we seek first. The most important thing in this life, the priority of our lives must be that we desire his righteousness to be evident in our lives in all we do. We let people see God within us. We live out the presence of Jesus Christ. That's, that's why we're here. Otherwise, God, we get saved and and we just go home to heaven. Wouldn't, that might be great. I mean, it would be great. But that's not what God's got for us. Paul, Paul was conflicted with that. He said, right, I, I desire, sometimes I, 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 I want to go home and be in heaven, with, with, which would be far better, but I need to stay on this earth and do what God's called me to do, which is more needful, he said to the church at Philippi. But God's left us here to be a testimony. God's left us here to to make Christ known, to know him, but to make Christ known to those around us. And the whole business of this steps of obedience, it, this is about the big picture. It's not that if we miss one step of obedience that we're immediately out of the will of God. No, it's the big picture of our life. See, that's the treasure map kind of approach to God's will. We're following this path, and if we step one step outside, all of a sudden we're out of the will of God. Listen, God's plan is that we be obedient, and we're not perfect. We do sin, but that's what 1 John 1, 9, we admit that. We call sin, sin in our lives, and we confess to God. And what's the promise in 1 John 1, 9? He'll forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a fellowship breaker. That's what sin is. And that's why we worry and doubt, because we have sin in our lives that we haven't dealt with. When we walk with God, when we put him first, when we seek him first. You see, what we're talking about is the big picture of our lives is one of obedience to God. That's just what it is. Well, here's another step. It is God's will that we rejoice, that we pray, that we give thanks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. And I'm just going to read these for you. These are verses, again, that you may have heard before. 
You may not, but here they are. Write them down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. This is what Paul says. Here it is. Rejoice always. Are you rejoicing? It's God's will. Rejoice always. Verse 17. Pray continually. Are you a prayer? Well, I'm uh, yeah, not, uh, not, it's, I don't do, the, do that much. I, I'm kind of busy. Well, you haven't been busy for the last 90 days. Well, some of you have. I'm, I don't mean that. I know some of you have been working, but we've all had more time than we've ever had in, in the last any number of years in this 90-day period, right? Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do we have that spirit of thanksgiving? There's been a lot to complain about over the last 90 days, huh? I'm so sick and tired of wearing that stupid mask. What in the world? Or should we say face covering? Is that the politically correct term to use? Huh? Yeah, it's like, and, 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 and I'm tired of this. What, you, you know, and all, you know, I don't have to tell you. I don't have to put words in your mouth. Give thanks in all circumstances. And, and here's the deal. The, the end of verse 18. For this, and I would have had it here on the screen. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. What is God's will? That we rejoice, that we pray continually, and that we give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will. Folks, it's not, it's not about your personality it's not about how busy you and I are. It's not about anything else. That is God's will for our life all the time. One more thing. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. And I'm just going to look at verse 9, but if you want to write it down, you check it out. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. Verse 9, Paul is talking to the church of Colossae. Paul's in prison when he's writing this letter. And he says, we have not stopped praying for you. He's talking to the church of Colossae, which I believe he'd never met. He never met these folks, most likely. We continually, he goes, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Man, I've gotten used to using this thing. It's like even when it's off, I want to, that, that's been a cool thing and we're going to do it anyway for, but it is God's will. He, they're asking to fill the believers in the church of Colossae with a knowledge of God's will. And then he goes on in verses 10 to 14 and he talks about all kinds of things that are the will of God for them. And, and he prays those things. He's, he says, um, verse, uh, let's see, 10, so that you may live a life worthy. You know God's will so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord, so that you can please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and on he goes. You look it up. Those are all things that ought to characterize our lives. Steps of obedience. It has to do, these are all part of God's will of desire for each of us, to live in obedience to what God has already revealed in his word. See, we get so hung up on God's will about so many other things, and yet there's a Bible full of truths that we don't worry about that much. God's will is here for us. Isn't that great? Do you ever think about it like that? That's what we need to be recognizing. You want to do God's will? Open and start, 
right? (laughs) And just do what you find. Scripture's full. Now, I'm going to stop that list because, again, the point is, what is the big picture of our life? What characterizes us is the desire to seek God first, to obey him, to please him with our lives. That's what needs to be true. Say, so, okay, so what now? How do I know God's will for my life? How do I make that decision? I'm a, I'm a high school graduate. How do I know where God wants me to go to school, to college? Or how do I know if God wants me to go to college? How do I know I shouldn't just get a job instead? Or how do I know as, as, as a, 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 a job holder, you, you were laid off maybe, or let go, or struggling, and, and you had another, now you've had another offer for a new job. How do you know if you should take that job instead of stay where you are? And we could go on with all those kinds of decisions. We, how do you know what God wants you to do? Well, look at John chapter 7 and verse 17. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor out in the Chicago area, I, I came, our pastor gave us this verse, and I'd never seen it before. I was like, whoa, where in the world did that come from? And the context, you, again, as we've been challenging, you study through the context and check it out. But Jesus has been teaching And then he's been questioned as to what he's teaching and where does he get his authority and who does he think he is? That was the typical Pharisee's line, right? They didn't like him. And so they were always looking for reasons to discount what he was saying. And and so here we go. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Who's that? God the Father, right? Jesus says, I'm telling you what God the Father put in my heart. I'm telling you what he said. And then here it is, verse 17 of John chapter 7. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I'm speaking on my own. Now, what he's saying is you want to know whether my authority is from God or not? You've got to have the heart to obey. You've got to be willing to do God's will. You have to choose God's will. You see, because a lot of times they were wanting to know, well, who do you think you are? Well, they had no desire to obey. They didn't want to follow Jesus. And so if you wanted to know the truth of the word of God, and a lot of times we read scripture and, and, and that scripture is given to us as an answer for how we ought to live and we look at it and like, well, I, I don't get that. Well, sometimes because we simply don't want to do what God wants us to do, we don't understand what God is saying. Think about it. Well, the application goes right on through. The same thing is true. Anyone who chooses, who is willing to do the will of God, will find out God's will. It's the same principle. You want to know the will of God for your life? There's got to be a willingness to obey. Um. One writer put it this way, God does not show us his will just to satisfy our curiosity. When we are prepared, willing to do God's will in God's good time, we will know it. You see, sometimes we make the will of God as one of a number of options. We say, well, here's what I want to do and here's what my wife or my parents or my husband or my close friend wants. Here's what I hear the church say, my pastor wants me to do. And, and then here's God's will and I've got to choose which one of those I like. No, it doesn't work that way. 
God's will is the only option. It ought to be for us. And that's obedience to his word. And as we're obedient to his word, you say, well, it doesn't say, doesn't, as we said last week, it doesn't name colleges in here. If it's time to buy a new car, it doesn't name the kind of car we should buy in here. If you're thinking about getting married, you're not going to find the name of a girl in there unless it's Ruth or Esther or Mary, right? But that's not how that works either. So you say, how do you know? You live your life for God. This whole thing of knowing God's will is really about knowing God. You know what? We celebrated in the midst of this, Jane and I, our 45th anniversary. I can't believe that. 45 years. I know a whole lot. I typically know what makes her happy or not. I don't usually have to ask her, "Hun, what do you think about this? Because I pretty, after 45 years, I know. Some of you have been married longer than that, right? So you know what I'm talking about. Some of you haven't been married half that, but you, sometimes you still know. When you get to know somebody, you typically know what, what they want. Right? Hello? <laughs> you won't get the virus if you shake your head, right? <laughs> it's the same way with God. When you know God, you really know God. And how do you do that? When you know God, the better you know God, the more you know what pleases Him and what He wants from us. And so here it is. When your life is characterized by pursuit of obedience in your life, and, and you're you're, doing, you're living your life that way. The simple answer is, and man, I wish I had this screen because it would pop right up here. Here's, here's, here it is, folks. Get your pen ready. Get your phone, your tablet, because here it is. Here's how you will know God's will. Here's how you make those decisions. Do what you want. Some of you are going, are you kidding me? I paid for a seat this morning to hear that? <laughs> Seriously, do what you want. Say, Glenn, how in the world can you say that? Because God does. Because there is no treasure map found in the Word of God that leads you to His path and journey for your life. It's a matter of obedience to Scripture. And when we're living our lives in obedience to his word, we're walking daily with him, we're saved, we're spirit-filled, we're sanctified, we're, we're set apart to his authority, submissive, because we're living our lives for God, we're godly, we're suffering, we're seeking first God and his righteousness, we're rejoicing, and all those things that characterizes your life, then do what you want. Psalm 37, 4 says this, take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. What is that? Find your joy, find your pleasure, long for him, desire for him above, desire him above everything else in your life. When you delight yourself in the Lord, years ago, is that old commercial, the Nest Tea Plunge? You remember seeing that on Ice Tea, Nest Tea, and the guy'd stand by the side of the pool. Ready, Raleigh? Um, and, and, uh, 
and it was just take the nasty plunge and the guy falls backwards into the pool. Well, when you're delighting yourself in God, it's like, ah, you fall back in God's arms and you're going, okay, God, whatever you want. My joy, my pleasure, my delight is being with you in your arms where you want me to be. That's all that matters because that's the greatest never-ending joy there is on the face of this earth. And when we delight ourselves in the Lord, the conclusion is he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, way that works is really what it sounds like. That doesn't mean that you go out and decide whatever you want. No, no, no. He will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because when you're walking with God in obedience to him and finding all your delight in him, guess what? His desires become your desires. He changes our hearts. He changes our thinking. His desires become our desires, and guess what? Our desires become His. And we want to live for Him. We want to please Him. So how do you know? Do what you want. Charles Spurgeon said this, Men who delight in God desire or ask for nothing but what will please God. Hence, it is safe to give them carte blanche. You know what carte blanche is? Used to be a credit card. Actually, I Googled it, and it still is one. Diners Club and MasterCard's taking it over now, right? For everything else, there's MasterCard. Well, carte blanche used to be this real expensive credit card that would get you anywhere. The word comes from it meaning carte card. Blanche was white, a white card. It means a blank card. It means a blank check. When you're walking with God, God's will for you, make a decision. Do what you want. That's what Spurgeon says. Hence, it is safe to give them carte blanche. Why? Because they're obeying. They're living their life of obedience before God. And the desire isn't going to be, well, I'm going to do this for me and I'll do that for you, God. No, no, no. It's all for him. And I'm convinced that if you desire to the will of God and are willing to do it above everything else in your life, he will not let you make a mistake. And that over the years of youth ministry, student ministry, and even working with adults, parents, that one of the biggest fears of the whole will of God thing is that we'll make a mistake and really mess it up big time. Listen, God knows your heart. And when you choose, you do what you want. I am convinced, I believe with all my heart that God will not let you make a mistake. Now, I didn't say live like you want, forget God, and then do what you want. That's not what I said. We spent two weeks building the case to say, when you live your life to honor God, to please Him in everything you do, do what you want. And if you've got the wrong choice, God wants you to marry Ruth instead of Esther, guess what? God's going to stop it. God's will is not something that we know ahead of time. Oh, yeah, there's a peace and direction, but it's one of those things that after you make that choice, when you do, you look back and you go, oh, man, I see God's will right there. You know what? And you can see that treasure map behind you, but it's because that's where you've been walking. I hope that's clear. My brother-in-law, and I'm going to wrap it up this way, had to make one of those decisions this week. He and his, my sister had left South Jersey, moved down to Virginia. They were tired of all, he's a contractor and a builder and 
tired of all the codes and all the rest of that stuff and the taxes and so they've moved down there and he he's tired of running his own business and doing all that kind of stuff so he's just found a, a guy and he's working for him and and he's an amazing builder he's just a craftsman I wow the stuff he does and he went to work for these guys and they just called him and said listen we were wondering if you'd be one of our superintendents and he's like, man, I didn't want to supervise anybody. I just want to go to work and go home at night. Anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> yeah. So they gave him this opportunity. So he had this meeting, and, and my sister says, pray for Rick. Just pray that he'll know what God wants him to do. And I, I wanted to call and preach. Because <laughs> I think he is living for God. Rick, just do what you want. But see, those are the kinds of decisions that we don't have to fret over and frustrate over and, and weeks on end. That's why the, one of the books I recommended to you by Kevin DeYoung on the will of God, it's called Just Do Something because we get paralyzed. We're spiritually paralyzed and, and we don't do anything. God says, make a decision. Live your life for God and do what you want. Make a decision. But that whole will of God thing has become an excuse and it sounds a real spiritual, sounding excuse. Well, I'm just kind of waiting on God. No, you're not. You just won't make a decision. And maybe it's because you haven't been living your life in a way that you're comfortable. Well, then change that. And so what I'd say today as we wrap it up, do God's will and you'll know God's will. Do God's will and you'll know God's will. And when you come to those decisions that aren't listed, aren't God's will of desire, make the decision. Do what you want and trust Him. He will not let you make a mistake. Say, Glenn, I hear you, but maybe I'm still struggling. Great. Join us next week, and we'll talk about that. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you've made this so clear in Scripture. We've made it difficult. You've made it clear. Oh, God, direct us. Help us to understand what you give us to believe and to know and to understand in the Bible. Help us to obey your word, to live our lives to please you above all else and to find our delight only in you. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.